three, two, one, play. Shelby, what you see here is we got a donut's hole inside I the donut's you were, hole. I knew you were going to start with the donut. You got to look a little closer because when you do, you see that the donut hole has got a hole in its center. It's not a donut hole, but it's a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut's not whole at all. And that other hole is called a sequel. <laughs> it is called a sequel and it's got layers. Boy, does it have layers. Like an onion or a parfait. Everybody love a good parfait. No, guys, we're not talking about Trek 2 today. We are talking about... We should. I really want them to do like a, a, a collab between Shrek and Glass Onion. <laughs> because Shrek Somehow is over here it like... It's got layers like an onion, but the only the only brand collab I have seen that's come out of Glass Onion has been with the Bloomin' Onions at Outback, <laughs> right? Which are not glass at all. I have They're not glass. Outback. They're not made out of glass. <laughs> really they are made out though. of an onion, any mm-hmm. old onion, and you mm-hmm. get some batter and you just dip it in the batter and you fry it. It costs Outback a three cents to make a, glo- a bloomin' onion and then they sell it to you for eight and a half dollars okay so what now you have that- here is a glass onion which is way better because this glass onion is full of twists and turns and surprises and um really funny cameos mm-hmm. and incredibly silly moments uh that are just silly for the sake of being silly and, and also Daniel, really fun twists. Daniel Craig and a ton of linen that I just loved. Yeah, like I, I didn't know that this much linen existed on the planet. No, this gives so- me like you know the the like costuming vibes that Mama Mia, like the warm and fuzzy feelings of the the Mama Mia costumes. That yeah. was this. I got that same feeling with all yeah. of the costuming in this movie. Yes, what we're talking about is the sequel to Knives Out called um, Glass Onion. Uh, Knives Out, of course, is the movie from a couple of years ago, directed by Ryan Johnson, starring all of your favorite movie stars. Just insert your favorite movie star. They're probably in the movie somewhere. Chris Evans, insert, he's in it. Tony Collette, insert, <laughs> she's in it. Jamie Lee Curtis, she's in it. Michael he's Shannon, in it. yeah, he's, he's in, in it. it. Christopher uh, yeah. Plummer, yeah, he's in it. Anybody who, uh, Anadarmus, she's in it. Everyone is in this movie. Lakeith Stanfield, he's in Lakeith, it. Lakeith, oh, he's in it. Um, what we're talking about today is the sequel to that movie, the much-awaited sequel mm-hmm. to Knives Out called Glass Onion. Um, it is another Benoit Blanc mystery, which yeah. is coming right on the heels of um, Death on the Nile, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting time. Well, and, and for murder mysteries. Additionally, see how they run, which kind of slipped under a lot of people's radar. It had Sam yep. uh, Rockwell and uh, Saoirse Ronan and this fun little Agatha, literally Agatha Christie retelling. Uh, she's mm-hmm. even a character in the movie. Um, so yeah, it's another it's another great year for murder mysteries if you like it. But this movie came about because Netflix came up to Ryan Johnson with a fat check for I think four hundred million dollars. A lot and of said, dollars. yeah, a lot of doll hairs and said, can we get uh, three movies out of you for Benoit Blanc and Ryan being the um, 
the amazing storyteller he is and fan of Agatha Christie said, well, she was able to get how many Miss Marple movies and how many Hercule Poirot movies. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Um, and so that is, that is kind of how Netflix got this partnership. They walked up to Ryan Johnson with a fat check and said, there you go, my dude. Um, and he yeah. wisely took it. And it is honestly one of the funniest movies I think I saw this year. It is one of the smartest movies I saw this year. And when it hits Netflix on December 23rd, if you have not, if you didn't get to catch it the one week it was in theaters, which the we're going to talk about. Don't worry, we'll get into we'll, it. We'll talk about it. Um, then, uh, yeah, you're going to have a good time. It is a, it's going to be a really fun Christmas watch. Yeah. So glass onion, just kind of high level, um, hits all the same notes that the first one does. It is socially conscious. It's tongue in cheek. It's witty. It's got twists that you didn't expect to be twists. And then it's got straight aheads that you thought were going to be twists. And then it's got double crosses and it's got hidden agendas and it, it, it's got everything you're hoping it has inside of it. Um, but what I think is interesting is that like, this is not a movie that Ryan intended to make, right? Like he made knives out because he wanted to make knives out. But this one, like Shelby said, he got offered a deal to make more of these things. Mm -hmm. And so what's, what is Ryan Johnson going to do when given a big check by a big company to make a movie that's already a little bit distasteful because like knives out had that, like it had that, that je ne sais quoi of like going up against the establishment and like, what are you going to do when you give a guy like that all of this money to make a movie? Well, he's going to do the same thing again, but this time set it on a tech billionaire's private Island. Yeah. And the first one kind of um, took a stab at like waspy families, you know, like the patriarch right. of the, of the family in knives out. Um, is I mean, it's Christopher Plummer. You cast somebody who's a, a very warm, congenial person. A veteran of those. Um, yeah, and just one of the nicest actors. And uh, you give him a chaotic, politically mixed family. Everyone is is just a, an absolute asshole. Um, and that's the point. And if, regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, you know somebody who is any one of those characters. Yes. And so it takes a stab at everyone. Um, and then of course, with, um, with glass onion, you've got bigger fish to fry. And so those, you can't do the same joke. You can't, you do, can't the do the same joke twice. twice. And so all yeah. the caricatures kind of get a little bit bigger. Uh, instead of going micro, he goes a little more macro, which I love. Yeah. A little macro. And they're not really, there's not a lot of subtlety in this movie no. like with the, with the care, the caricatures of these people, you know, yeah. I, I never really saw them as people. I saw them as caricatures of people, you know, like Dave, Dave Bautista is just playing Joe Rogan. That's just the person that he is. It's like a combo of Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate. Yeah. 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 Right. It's like all the, like Joe Rogan at his low, at his lowest moments <laughs> Yeah, is just Dave Bautista in this movie. But, um, the the basic gist of the plot and uh, we're going to try to not spoil anything because it's a very fun thing uh for you to kind of untangle yourself in real time but the gist of it is you got a big tech boy billionaire 
who invites all these people to his island and also invites Benoit Blanc, who is the detective Daniel Craig from Knives Out. Um, Invites. We're going to say that with air quotes. Invites. Right. Yes. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Benoit Blanc receives an invitation to go to this island. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's a murder. Murder. (gasps) Judas. Judas. Sorry, we have to every single time. Uh, that that vine is an infection in my brain. It will mm-hmm. not leave ever. But yeah. that's the I mean that's like that's the gist of the movie. Everyone's on an island. There's one way on, one way off. Somebody on the island is a murderer. Mm-hmm. And the movie is trying to figure out who and more importantly, why. Yeah. So you and get we're... all of the fun things of them explaining all of their vices and all of their hatred toward each other and all of them. And in this fun little, this fun little instance, um, it, you know, in the first knives out the, the, um, thromby, the thromby family. Okay. Good call. They all kind of like hate each other, but they're bound together by blood. Um, in this instance, we have a group of friends who aren't blood but I've come together because they're friends and you start seeing pretty quickly the like cracks in the friendship. And I think that was a very interesting take, you know, right. Cause like in my brain knives out is the perfect Thanksgiving movie because it's, <laughs> it's all dealing with family. This, this is like one, a spring break movie. This is like a spring break movie um, because yeah. it's all dealing with like chaotic friendships. Um, but let's go over the cast really fast. Uh, because oh, yes. I don't think we, I don't think we've looked up the players. We, yeah, we haven't mentioned anybody except for Daniel Craig, who is in this movie. Well, and you mentioned Dave Batista. Oh, and I did mention Dave. Yes. So, um, all right. So for this cast, we have. I mean, it's stacked. Go figure. Um, we have Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. We have Madeline Klein as Whiskey. She plays Dave Batista's girlfriend. Um, Dave Batista plays Duke Cody, who's this like Jim Bro alpha male, very Republican, um, doesn't Car- like carries his in- his Glock in his bathing suit. In his Speedo, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Kate Hudson as Birdie J. This is one of my favorite roles I think she's ever been in because it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. And you can tell she had so much fun in in playing Birdie. She um, was bringing her Tony Collette energy to this. She role. was. She really was. Uh, you've got Katherine Hahn in a more subdued role, but very yeah. important still, playing um, the governor of Connecticut, Claire DeBella. And then you've got Ed Norton as Miles Braun, Tech billionaire asshole uh, Miles Braun. Uh, you've got Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Lionel Toussaint, who is a super genius who works for one of Miles's many um, like tech startup things. Um, and then you've got Jessica Henwick as Peg, which I think is a really understated role. She's so funny. Uh, she plays Birdie J's assistant, um, who tries to keep her from using her phone and tweeting racial slurs. And last, but certainly so not funny. least, last, but certainly not least is, uh, Janelle Monet, um, who just crushed her role. Uh, I won't tell you the character nope. name. And also don't look up her character name because there's a spoiler name. in, there's her a spoiler. Name. Yeah. There's a spoiler in her character name. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, do not look up who her character is. Um, and then I also don't want to like say who all of the like 50 billion cameos, cameos. are. Yeah. There because are they're so fun. Yeah. There um, are a lot of them, but, but one of them, I know your, I know your favorite cameo. Do you just mm-hmm. want to say like who your favorite of the cameos was? Yeah. Okay, I'll go first because mine was Natasha Lyonne. Oh, uh, she was so funny. Because I love, like, I love Orange Is the New Black, and <laughs> she was amazing in that. But then when she popped up in this movie, I was like, "What are you doing here, Natasha?" Yeah. Um, my favorite was Ethan Hawke, and I won't tell you where he is, but I was just like, oh, "What? Oh, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me?" Excuse me. I figured. I, I thought you might have said Sondheim. No, I almost said Yo-Yo Ma. Truthfully. Oh yeah, Yo-Yo Ma's was great. That's a really um, fun one. And Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm surprised that Sondheim was in this. This is his last on-screen his, role, and he's just in it for a second. He's only in it and for it, a second. And if you if you blink, you miss it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. This and Angela. <gasps> this is Angela's last one too. It is Angela's last one. <gasps> oh man. Angela Lansbury for those following along. Um what if you go into this movie, if you miss it in theaters, which is probably most of you, I know like my parents couldn't even see it because it wasn't playing anywhere near them. Mine couldn't either. Um, uh but if you saw this in theaters, then you got what is what I think is the ideal way to watch this movie, which is mm-hmm. with a bunch of people all together because like the movie, every, every scene in the movie takes place with all these crazy people together and how they like interact and mix with each other. And so when you get people like that in a theater together, watching all of this hilarious stuff and it's like, this one's a lot more absurd, I think than the le- than the first one. But yeah. Not necessarily in a bad way. It's just like, of course, you have to do this because what else are you what else are you gonna do but well, get a little, you know, weird with it. So I was trying to like pinpoint um the differences and the vibes between because I saw Glass Onion in theaters twice and then I saw obviously Knives Out like seven or eight times yeah. in theaters um during its whole theatrical run. But I think the the difference is that like with the first Knives Out, we didn't know what to expect. So we walk in expecting Clue because of just mm-hmm. the nature of the house. But it felt, it felt, I don't know, it felt tighter um, than Clue, just a little bit more narratively. Like it wasn't as outlandish. Yeah. It, it did kind right. of feel closer to an Agatha Christie, like a, a Poirot uh, story. Yeah, it's still one, a whodunit. Like the point is yeah, still it's, a whodunit. Yeah, it's, it's a whodunit. This feels to me closer to clue in it's like chaotic energy yes um, right because like that's that's the whole shtick with clue is that uh and i'm not talking about the board game if you've never seen the movie just watch the movie watch the it's, movie it's one of the best movies ever made um yeah and it feels it's got that chaotic kind of energy and yes. so because it has that chaotic energy and because ryan johnson is ryan johnson i have a theory that he's going to change the ending from what the theatrical release was to the Netflix release on the 23rd. And having watched the movie twice in theaters, I think there are some ways that you can like 
tee up even some of the clues to where, you know, like the whole thing with clue is that there are four different endings. And so they released when the movie was in theaters, four different endings. And so you would go see a movie and you would go see clue and your friend would go see clue the next town over. And you guys would talk about it and you'd be like, Oh, it's so funny that like, you know, Colonel mustard was the killer. And they'd be like, Colonel mustard wasn't the killer. It was miss Peacock. And, and then, like, no, it was Mr. White. And then they were like, no, it was the butler the whole time. Right. And, and so then you're just like, what is going on? And I think that like Ryan is such a huge nerd of kind of pulling the like, what the heck moments that I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow managed to pull that off. I think it would be, it would just be so much fun, but it would also be on brand for him. Yeah. It would be amazing. Um, <laughs> and I honestly I can see how it could happen because so much of the movie is in the air and it you know it's just like any classic whodunit at mm-hmm. any point in the movie you're you're like oh I can totally see it being you oh yeah no, I can see it being you and like yes I want to keep the same killer because mm-hmm. of just kind of like where we are as a society but I could right. see it going in three different directions all justifiable. Yeah. All justifiable. And um you 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 talked about the <laughs> how society is going. I think it's worth mentioning for those interested in in sort of prophetic words that um, <laughs> perhaps you need to look into Ryan Johnson because the week that this movie came out and it came it was only out for a week was the week that Elon Musk bought Twitter. And, uh, and, and like, and the craziness started descending upon that and all of the things mm-hmm. that it was touching. And it, while that's happening in real life, you have this movie with this tech billionaire who bought this island and brought all these friends out. And he's very much the same thing. His last name is Braun, B-R-O-N. It's probably not a stretch to say that like a four letter name that ends is, in O N with a yeah. tech billionaire is, uh, you know, well, and, intentional, but like the, the accuracy with which Ryan Johnson predicted Elon Musk. And the way, movie. the way that Ed Norton played this character, I mean, like very clearly it's amazing. He, he watched like the footage of, of Zuckerberg and yeah. Yeah. And in that like weird, awkward meta release, you know, where Zex yeah. is just not human. Um, and then obviously like interviews with Elon, like it's so absurd. And I, I walked out of there and I was just like, this man has a crystal ball. I'm so confused how he was able to just nail it. Um, do, not do just, you know? not just okay. with him, but with like, like, Duke's character, um, Leslie Odom oh, Jr.'s yeah. character is basically yep. a SpaceX employee, yep. and I'm like that. That's kind of falling apart right now. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's it's wild. It or at is least wild. at we- least Elon's involvement with SpaceX is kind of falling apart because of everything that's going on with Twitter and because of the poor reputation that he has. Yeah, well, his stuff started going down with SpaceX when he was smoking pot on Joe Rogan's podcast. It also started going down with Tesla, um, like earlier. I'm trying to think when the board voted him out. 
for yeah. well, I think I think both boards have successfully voted him out, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's still on the board of SpaceX, but I don't know that he has a, t- a Tesla anymore. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I, I can't. I can't keep up with it. But do you know who his performance reminded me of? Hmm. And I didn't make this connection until right now. Is uh, there is a there's a Black Mirror episode where, and I hate being the guy who's like, this reminds me of a Black Mirror episode. But <laughs> just hear me out. There's a Black Mirror episode where there is. Um, uh, hot priest is in it. Oh, I know this and, episode. And he like takes a man hostage. Yeah, takes a driver hostage. He's trying to get to the top of this company that's supposed to be Facebook yep. or whatever. And they're trying to get to the the owner of this company. And so you go the whole episode not knowing who it is. And when you finally find it, it's freaking Topher Grace. Mm -hmm. And he's on a meditation silence retreat in the middle of the Mojave Desert or something like that. And Topher Grace's performance in Black Mirror, I, I feel like Ed Norton watched it to be like, what kind of stereotype should I play this as? Because that's what it feels like. It's the like the very like surface level transcendentalism, you know, that like these billionaires tend to like find themselves. And he, he even says like all sorts of nonsense about it. And that's, that's the other thing too. It's like the joke is that it's all nonsense. very much on purpose, but he, he, they intentionally put Ryan very intentionally puts a bunch of malpropisms throughout the script and just nonsense words. And, I I thought it was so smart because I picked up on a couple of them and I was just like, that's not how you use that word. That's not even mm-hmm. a word. That's not mm-hmm. how you use that word. I was like, okay, Ryan, what are you doing here? And so when Benoit Blanc's going off on his like big rant about how stupid Braun is, I was like, oh, it's not just me. All these are intentional. And so it's a little bit of like gaslighting the audience um, there's, in, there's a into lot. believing into believing that Braun is a genius. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is also indicative of how we as a society hear somebody who we're told is a genius and we don't, you know, we gloss over their like very blatant, stupid actions. And we're like, but they're smart. They're a genius. Look mm-hmm. at all the things they've accomplished. They're so smart. And you're like, No, they hire people who are way smarter than they will ever be. And then they go on places and they take the credit for everything that the people they barely pay to get their stuff done. Like, I mean, Lionel's characters is a really good example of that. Like, yep. It, it was, it was fantastic. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers in this that will resonate pretty strongly uh, to those who are alive right now, I don't know. Like, I'm sure it's going. It's going Layers? to hold up in <laughs> like, an, like onion. an onion. I'm sure it's going to hold up in years to come. Um, well, because I mean, like, it's a genuinely good movie. But the other I, thing I don't too, know how many of the references will will remain salient. See, here's the thing, though, is that I think he intentionally dated this movie because. If you look at everything else that was produced during the pandemic, they're trying to operate around the pandemic. I mean, there are a handful of mm-hmm. movies that like try and address the pandemic, but they don't do a great job. I think of that yeah, one like weird Netflix comedy thing where they got a bunch of people together and tried to like 
do a comedy movie about the pandemic and it just kind of sucked. But this very smartly kind of weaves in, addresses the pandemic, does date it as like 2020 and then very quickly kind of moves on. So it it dates it. It that way when we move forward, we're able to place ourselves and I think that's very smart because if we're able to place ourselves in 2020 and like in 2022ish, we're kind of able to recall the nonsense going on with billionaires, nonsense going on with Zuckerberg and Meta and the nonsense going on with Musk and then because we're placed there, we're able to contextualize everything else that happens in the movie. Right. For sure. Yeah, and then we're given a really compelling protagonist to like see all of it through. Oh yeah, um, you know, be just the way that Janelle played her role in this film was like it. <laughs> it it was good. I and mean, I, it's I'm endeared she, to like Janelle. Stand, yeah, well, so am I. But she's Always. like she's standing in for an audience full of like regular people mm-hmm. who are paying money to somebody like they're paying money to go see a movie made by a millionaire financed by millionaires starring millionaires about billionaires and like she is sort of bridging this gap between these working yeah. schmoes and these stars on the screen who are trying to tell you a cautionary tale about people with a lot of money and power and fame and yeah and she very Um, much is the same like kind of role that anna had in the first film right just by being that like blue collar working class this is you know this is kind of me and who i am and i don't belong here but i'm having to deal with these people because i have like shit i need to get done basically Mm -hmm. yeah and we'll tell you what that is because that's super secret in the movie and you will find out if you don't already know what the super secret thing is. But if you do already know what the super secret thing is, we could talk about it. It's really cool. Um, I thought it was fun that Ed Norton was doing kind of the same thing he did in Birdman where he's like doing it, this sort of self-aware um, caricature of himself because in Birdman, he came in as like the actor who got into scenes and ruined everything because he wanted the spotlight. And then here, he's like the sort of egocentric guy who feigns being an artist in order to get the recognition of his peers and who wants, you know, deep down, like the affection of the people that are close to him. Um, and so I think that like, he is just one example of that because Ryan gave each of the main characters and the main like suspects in the murder. Um, he gave each of them really grounded traits that people in the audience can latch onto and mm-hmm. see themselves inside of um, yeah. because no- nobody like nobody is as superficially stupid as they appear to be. Right. Uh, on first glance. And like, that's very much on purpose. You know, there's a lot about this movie that, that feels like really intricately placed for how chaotic everything is. And I think that's really fun. Whiskey comes to mind The you mentioned. Oh um, yeah. She was so good. Yeah. You first see her thinking she's a airheaded, you know, just kind of like wispy. She's like the wispy hot girl Mm -hmm. is like the person that she is. 
And then you learn that she might be more than that. You know, I don't yeah. want to say more than this, but like every character is like that. There are yeah. aspects where you're like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. That's just Joe Rogan. Oh, I hate him. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, you're like, I don't know, man. You made me feel something for all these people that I initially didn't like. And I think that that's something really powerful that this does really well. And I think that's something that also differentiates it from Knives Out because in Knives Out, you kind of come in in a relatively clean slate, um, you know, and you take in to consideration. And I mean, you do this in Glass on You too. And Ryan's very intentional um, you take what you know the actors for and you apply that to how he's written the characters. And yes. he plays them up and down in different ways. Like I think in Knives Out, you hire Michael Shannon and Michael Shannon is somehow not the most intimidating person in the family. Like that's wild. Um, but like Don Johnson is the most, like one of the most, and Chris Evans is one of the most intimidating people. And he's like friggin' Captain America. Um, and he winds up being the killer. Like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that's something that differentiates it because you do find commonality with a lot of the Glass Onion characters, but you never do with the Thrombies. If anything, no. you get more distanced from them over time. The only exception being is that, like, you try and um, understand uh, Ransom you'd like try and like figure him out. You can't tell if he's an ally or not, but he's really the only one that you're made to kind of get closer to. Whereas in glass onion, everybody's made a little bit more human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Um, just kind of watching it and then having your suspicions from the start. Cause you go in knowing you're a, you're about to watch a murder mystery. You know, someone's going to die from the beginning. It's a Ryan and Johnson so- who done it. Yeah, it's a mer- like that's the whole fun of w- like watching a whodunit, reading an Agatha Christie yeah. novel, whatever. Like part of the game is you want to figure out who did it, and then when this reveals how things are going down on this island, and it switches everything all up on you, you get like a twist before you're expecting to get a twist, and I think that's great. This movie has twists and layers on top of twists and layers. Layers. And uh, in case you're wondering, because I really liked um, the kind of like back and forth time narrative shift that Knives Out had, um, the plot for Glass Onion is pretty linear up until there's like a chunk toward the back third where the previous stuff is explained and you get your eyes open and then it tells a like a parallel narrative up to the point where it goes back in time for a flashback yeah, it's, it's it's sort of like standard stuff so but, but it's a little different but, than what you saw in knives out because that is right. peppered with flashback flash forward flashback flash forward flashback flash forward and so i was wondering the whole time i was like am i expected to believe this is all happening in real time and that he's not going to do a flashback. And then he like hit us with like the giant flashback. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we are getting this. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very fun movie and it's hard to talk more about it because so many people haven't had the chance to see it. I know. Um, and that's like, I feel like it was on purpose and I can't help but feel that way. 
on the one hand, yes, this is the widest theatrical release that a Netflix original has ever had. But at the same time, that's a the, problem. <laughs> at the at the same time, the first movie did hundreds of millions of dollars in the mm-hmm. box office. Why wouldn't you put the sequel in there? Like, I know that Netflix just wants to make money. And so why wouldn't you just make money at the box office? Because I know. Like, this this movie necessitates a second viewing. And and I, it gets I, better I, with a second viewing. Yeah, and it yeah, and it benefits from the second viewing, which is like what Netflix's platform is entirely based on. So why wouldn't you keep it in theaters as long as you can? Well, I just answer my own question. You keep it in theaters for a short period of time so that the people who did see it probably won't have time to see it twice and they'll come back to Netflix to watch it a second time. Right. And those who didn't get to see it will go to Netflix to watch it for the first time. The problem the problem is that you're not gonna get new viewers. Because like Netflix's right. business models that they're trying to attract new blood into the the streaming um and into the platform, which like don't don't try and do that with content. Just like don't penalize people for sharing their password and stop raising your prices. It's pretty easy to figure out how to get people back to your platform once they've left. But I think the the issue is that like we are losing so many shows and movies that are streaming exclusives because they're never made into physical media. And I, mm-hmm. I know that because knives out had such a huge, um, you know, he, was such a huge success that glass onion will have like a DVD release, which means we're going to buy a physical copy because Hamilton and I are physical copy people. We mm-hmm. don't want to have to like scrounge around to find something that we really, really love. Um, or we'll we'll buy it on demand and make sure that it's on like our TVs. But there are so many films that never get translated over to DVD or at least DVD on wide release. Um, and one that comes to mind all the time is um, there was a horror movie on Netflix called His House. And it was about two African immigrants into mm-hmm. like the outskirts of London um, and Matt Smith is in it and he plays kind of like their um, immigrations officer or like they're, they're refugees basically. And um, their house is haunted. And through this, you see that like it's both haunted because of their trauma and like haunted, haunted. And it is a truly terrifying movie. Like it is, yeah, it is very great. scary, but it is it's very good. And a lot of people slept on it because no one knew what it was about. It wasn't getting like a ton of traction. And I, I don't know if it ever got like a DVD release in the U S. And so when Netflix announced it was going to be going off of Netflix, it's not going to go live anywhere else because Netflix owns it. They're not going to like lease it out to Amazon prime. They're not going to lease it out to Hulu. They're not going to lease it out to anyone else because they own it. And so therefore it is going to disappear like a whole movie that hundreds of people worked on, poured their blood, sweat, and tears into, got critical acclaim, it will disappear and you will not be able to watch it. That is- and it was a passion project for the director. It was, it was a like passion a project, yeah. yeah. And um, that's, that is terrifying, especially for creators of color, minority creators, um, women who are directing, writing, producing, 
Like when these shows disappear, they're gone. When your favorite shows are canceled after one season or mid-production on season two, as what happened with a couple of things, both with HBO and with Netflix in the last two weeks, they're, they're like gone. That footage is gone. And gone. so that's the, the kind of the problem with streaming services right now. And um, I'm trying to think who asked me this question of like, why would Ray and Johnson even sign the agreement if he knew this was the agreement? He likely didn't. He likely took a $400 million check from Netflix and probably did not get any say on the distribution rights because it's Ryan Johnson. It's not Spielberg. It's not Scorsese. Mm -hmm. It's not right. Tarantino. He's not someone yet who can have that power and like leverage his name against one of the, the arguably the biggest streaming service mm -hmm. in the world. Now, if it's Spielberg, I, I would not be surprised if he was like, hey, I'm Steven Spielberg. Here's how you are going to distribute my movie. Here's how long it's going to be in theaters, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan likely just, I mean, he was the director and the writer. He is not going to have a say in distribution. That's not something they they would give him. That is Netflix. Right. He, he makes the movie. He makes the movie. He doesn't know how it gets distributed. Like, yeah. It's kind of one of those things. So, and he, it's a great movie. And that's clearly where he shines is in the movie itself. But also, he gave us something to watch again and again and again mm -hmm. to pick up all of these other things because he knew where it was going to be distributed. Yeah. You know, well, he yeah, knew, he, knew, he knew, he knew in the long it. run. Yeah. He knew in the long yeah. run where it was going to be. Um, yeah. I think he likely assumed that it would be in theaters a smidge longer. But, like, what's he going to do? Say, oh, I hate this and, like, bash Netflix when he's got two more movies that he's got to churn out for them for his contract yeah. to be fulfilled? He's, he's, in a, he's in a rough spot there. and he's in has, a, He has yeah. no bargaining power, really. <laughs> no. He's, in, um, he's just a dude who really likes movies. Yeah. But you have a chance to see it because you, it's not like you've missed it. It was in theaters for a week. Um, but it's coming out uh, this coming week, right before Christmas. Yeah, December 23rd. It is going to be on Netflix. I highly recommend watching this with people. See, the other problem too, oh man, don't have your phone near you when you watch this movie. Yeah, just the, watch the movie. The problem that I think is my biggest irritation with streaming is that people have their phones with them and it's this like duality of screens Mm -hmm. and I mean, even work from home, you've got your laptop and then you've got the TV on in the background. You're trying to watch something for the first time, but you're also trying to like work and you can't do both. You like right. your brain cannot process both. And so like, please put your phone down. Please watch this movie with other people who will also willingly put their phone down and like, look for the details, like get invested in this movie. It will sink you in. You just have to like, let it, draw you in totally agree could not I mean, agree more I, don't know, I just get i'm just like the pandemic and everyone being at home watching movies kind of just like ruined some of the like baseline understanding of movie etiquette yeah i'm just like please stop talking during the movies please please i don't stop know people full conversations i like i remember the the night of uh my senior prom 
everyone went out like everyone went all to one person's house and we all watched a movie we all watched interview with a vampire and i I was i love that movie and i was trying to watch the movie and everyone else was trying to talk and i was getting mad at them so that's not a new thing no 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 i meant like like in a theater yeah oh yeah i think now i think now the whole like like being on your phone not like that movie etiquette is is kind of gone a little it's, bit. It is. It is. And, and uh, like people are having like full blown conversations, conversations. and oh, I'm just yeah. like, stop asking which is, questions about the movie no, that we're is, literally all here to see at the same time. Which is different than like having verbal reactions to things that are happening. Right. That's yeah. very different. Like going to see Endgame and hearing everybody lose their mind when Captain America like uses yes. the hammer. Like that that's very different. I mean, Godzilla yeah. versus Kong was probably one of my favorite like post-pandemic movie experiences because the theater was literally divided the Godzilla people and the Kong people and anytime Godzilla Amazing. got the upper hand the the left half of the theater lost their mind and then whenever Kong got a like shot in on Godzilla like the right half of the theater lost their mind and I don't know how Beautiful. we like naturally su- like because we, we had to like book our seats right but that was just the way the movie theater split I don't know how it happened but, you were on Team Kong, weren't you? Oh, yeah, naturally. He's my oh, baby. Yeah. So, so was I. <laughs> he's my baby boy. I know he's not going to do good against, you know, Godzilla. Like, I wasn't No, stupid. he's not. But he's going to try. He's going to try his hardest. He's he tra- so good. He he's such a good so boy. He's hard. He <laughs> Kong. I anyway. love Godzilla versus Kong. It's that movie so is good. so good. <laughs> I think the funniest thing that that movie did was trying to convince me that somebody as hot as Alexander Skarsgård is some like nerdy, like geo, like not geologist, obviously, but like some crazy geophysicist. Right. And he's like isolated. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this man is Alexander Skarsgård. You got the wrong Skarsgård, brother, if you're trying to convince me he's a nerd. You need to get Walter. <laughs> you need to get um, Walter, Bill. Walter, like, get over here. we got a job for you, buddy. <laughs> Alex is too hot. <laughs> we need someone who's not hot and not ripped, Yeah, please. Even so. though it's all those Skarsgårds look the same. They're all hot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's the Swedes. Um... But anyway, yeah, glass, that t- glass onion's great. <laughs> glass onion is super fun. Um, it's really fun. Go see it uh, at home when you can on December twenty third mm-hmm. on Netflix because it's great and get you'll you have some, a good time. Get you some poppy corn, and it'll be interesting to see if they do what Shelby predicts and if there's somehow a, a separate ending for the streaming release versus the theatrical release we'll come back and up yeah we'll update you if if there is <laughs> i really kind of hope that it is um i it'd be know, funny it'd be on brand it'd be on brand for right well here's the thing is that i know mom and dad, i'm gonna make mom and dad watch this um i think mom and dad have seen knives out i don't remember no i know dad and i did i don't think mom stayed up to watch Knives Out, but um, they enjoyed it. It was probably getting nice. Love you, Dara. (laughs) My mom has a habit of getting up and getting ice during the middle of like really tense scenes. And my parents, (laughs) 
my parents recently um, removed the wall from the kitchen to kind of make it more open concept, which is fine. It looks great. Um, they're able to like have a like little breakfast island. The only problem with this is that the wall we realized was a dampener for my mother to get ice. And my mom loves ice in all beverages always because I grew up in Kentucky and that's like a Southern thing. And so mom will get up to go get her ice and it is like the loudest sound in the world at like the most tense scene you could possibly have. And every time she does it, I just see, like, I just picture dad's face just being like, can we, can we not do this right now? Um, but yeah, I think, I think if I can convince mom and dad, like mom to not be quilting, not be on her phone, like dad's always really good about just not being on his phone if he hasn't seen a movie before. Sure. Um, but mom will like scroll on Facebook and then she'll put her phone down and she'll be like, like if it's a superhero movie, we'll be like halfway through and Iron Man will be doing something. And she's like, is this the one with Hugh Jackman in it? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that's Marvel related is, does this one have Hugh Jackman in it? She's occasionally, no. she's occasionally gotten the, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. question, but it's always with like Captain America. And I'm just like, no, mom, this, this one does not have Iron Man in it. She's like, oh, <laughs> she's like, I just can't keep him straight. But she knows Hugh Jackman. <laughs> she... I mean, who doesn't know I Hugh know. Jackman, really? But Glass Onion, go see it. When it hits That's Netflix it. on December yeah, 23rd. Netflix. And then, um, I don't know, maybe write a strongly worded letter to your favorite streaming service to not cancel your favorite shows. Be very vocal on social media. Tag them in those things because... I don't. I never know if it's like enough to petition to save a show. Sometimes other studios will pick it up, um, and then sometimes in the case of like the Batgirl movie on HBO Max, like or that was just straight up canceled, and because of rights, they weren't able to. Or no, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers canceled it. They just weren't able to give it to anybody else because they had ownership. So. Do what you can. Get noisy. Get loud. Make them regret those decisions and stick it to the billionaires. Power to the people. Power to the people. We'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.